All right, so we're in Mark chapter 16, and in verse 15 and 16, we see where uh, Jesus gives what we call the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then in verse 17, he says, And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And right there, uh, after he gives that great commission, Jesus mentions several things that are going to follow those who believe on his name. And these are uh, obviously some amazing miracles. These are things that we see take place in the book of Acts. And these are also specific things that certain showboat type people today are out there um, making a show of doing a lot of your TV preachers and stuff. You have your Kenneth Copeland's out there, you know, blowing COVID-19 away. And, uh, you know, guys like that always claiming to do some big miracle. And, you know, I mean, don't you believe in miracles? I mean, have you ever read Mark 16, 17 and 18? The Bible talks about all these things. You know, some of y'all, you laugh at those snake handling churches. Uh, but, you know, talks in Mark 16 about taking up serpents, drinking deadly things, so, uh, you know, why don't we do some of that stuff? And, you know, and have you ever sat there and thought, you know, how come Pastor Tommy never does any, goes, goes around healing people? You know, how come we haven't seen him cast out any devils or anything like that? Have you ever wondered about that? Now, you know, listen, these are pretty big things. And obviously, you know, it'd be easy if we were supposed to be doing all these things. You know, I know my Bible well enough. I could come up for some pretty good excuses for why I'm not doing it. I could just say, well, you know, you got to understand they weren't fully in the new dispensation yet. You know? And obviously, I don't want to get into a, a whole lot of side things people get into on this, but I do want to speak specifically about casting out devils. We've been talking about the spirits and things, and I do want to specifically talk about this casting out devils because it says in my name, they shall cast out devils. And I, this is a subject people are interested in. I think it's kind of a carnal a lot of times it's for carnal reasons, but we're going to talk about it. I said it was coming, so we're going to talk about it. And this is something where you could easily be deceived. And I think this is important. I have not, I still haven't got to see Greg Locke's new movie yet. Uh, so I don't want to say a whole lot about uh, what I've heard he believes because I've not heard what he says about these things. I did see a video of some lady rolling around on the floor in a theater and people trying to cast the devil out of her. And I thought that was kind of funny. But understand... Subjects like this are ones that our people could easily be deceived by. And I think it's very important that we have, that we are looking at all these things in the right way. We need to be very careful not to get sucked into foolishness. And in reality, I think a lot of people who do get obsessed with this subject uh, are typically desiring things of the flesh, not necessarily of the spirit, even though it sounds like a spiritual thing, casting out devils. And I think an example we can see in the Bible of somebody like this. Remember Simon the sorcerer after he got saved. In Acts 8.18, when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. And Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because that thou thoughtest that the gift of God may be purchased with money. And understand, the spiritual things are not something that we should be going around trying to profit off of. They're th something we should be using to be a blessing and a help to people. And so Simon, whenever he saw these th things that the apostles were able to do, he just saw dollar signs. 
in his mind. And you know, a lot of these people who are real big into the faith healing and all that stuff, they're usually pretty wealthy people. Which Peter, when he's going around healing people, what did he say? Silver and gold have I none. But yet these people, man, you know, they're, they got, they're blinged out a lot of times with all this stuff. I mean, there's literally, with what we're seeing today with this faith healing, casting out demons, it doesn't even resemble anything that we see in the Bible. It doesn't resemble. There are certain aspects of it that we have allowed certain things, our, our minds to get twisted in these areas, thanks to Hollywood, thanks to the faith healers and things out there. They've, they've succeeded in making us think a certain way about these subjects, but I, I think it's so important we look at these in a very biblical way. And let's just face it too, though, you know, most of us would like the power to cast out devils. I mean, you know, who wants to be able to cast out a devil? Now, let me just say this. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I believe if you're saved today that you potentially have the power to cast out devils. So you're like, really? All right. I, I need a devil to cast out, you know? And so you got some people, they're so busy looking for a devil to cast out. They see a devil in everything. I mean, you know, and understand too, a lot of these people claiming demon possession, claiming to be demon possessed, a lot of people claiming to have kids that are demon possessed, a wife that's demon possessed or something like that are people who just don't want to take responsibility and they want something to blame other than themselves. And let's, let's blame it on a demon. That's pretty much all it is. And so wouldn't it be, instead of just fixing your life, you know, let's go have a preacher pray over me. Let's have an emotional experience and then I'll be all good. And you know what? You can succeed in giving somebody a moment. You know, you get the music just right. You get the crowd all doing the right thing. You might get somebody excited enough, hyperventilating enough, you know, so excited they might pass out or something, have a moving experience. You know, and after you pass out too, a lot of times you get that rush of oxygen to your head later that kind of gives you a high. And, you know, that's why the kids do that knockout thing to themselves. I don't know if you've heard those stories before. Probably shouldn't talk about that in front of kids. But, you know, that's a really foolish thing. But people do anything to get that, you know, that rush of oxygen to their head. And it's like people have figured out how to do these things on the stage. And then people, they just get addicted to that stuff. And then they, it's like, man, that was fun getting that demon cast out. I mean, I'm going back next week and get another one cast out. And it's just like, it's not how these things are supposed to work. But, you know, it would. It would we all like the idea of having the power to cast out devils. You know, and not even because we need power, but because it would make ourselves look like spiritual warriors. You know, we like that. We need to understand, though, that many of what we call these sign gifts, they were very needed back then because one, they didn't have the completed scriptures and a lot of these nations that they were going to had not been introduced to the gospel yet. These were brand new, these were brand new things for them. And it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 22, speaking specifically about tongues, it says, wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but to them that believe. So understand, they would do these things to try to get people believing. But today, we've got Christians whose faith is so weak, they need to have a preacher put on a show every week, healing people, doing some kind of miracle, speaking in tongues, so they can feel like there really is a God. But the truth is, those things never even look the way they do in churches today. But even when God would do those things, it was to get people to believe, it was to get people saved. It wasn't for saved people to do amongst each other. That, it, never, it never was done that way, ever. And so one thing, too, we see throughout the Bible, and I don't have time to expound on this a whole lot, but whenever Israel would enter a new era, 
God would often do special miracles to prove himself in new ways. Now, not every generation saw these things, nor did they need to. In Luke 7, verse 19, it says, And John called, calling unto him, two of his disciples sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And when the men were come unto him, they said, John Baptist hath sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And in the same hour, he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits, and unto them that were blind he gave sight. Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things ye have seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the, to the poor the gospel is preached, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. So understand, Israel had a way of doing things for over a thousand years. Jesus comes along, he's bringing in this new and better covenant, and these signs were something that were needed during that time. But the truth is, at this point, do we need to see signs again to prove that the New Testament is the Word of God? Do we need, at this point, you know, Christianity has been around for 2,000 years now. Do we need to see this new movement of miracles? Or do we just need to have faith in the Word of God that we've been given? I think we just need to have faith in the Word of God that we've been given. I think we need to be earnestly contending, contending for the faith that was once delivered. I think the things that we've learned amongst, uh, you know, we're supposed to teach those things, the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so it's important, too, that, uh, for example, the Red Sea crossing. Okay, the Red Sea crossing. Do you know only one generation got to see the Red Sea crossing? Only one generation. And did you know that generation didn't even make it into the promised land? But did you also know that that miracle that God did of bringing that nation through the Red Sea, God held the future generations accountable for that because they, as a nation, had seen those things. It says in Joshua 14, 21, or 4, 21, And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? This is after they crossed the Jordan River, and then they went and they placed those 12 stones. And so they did that as a reminder to future generations. And it says then, and he said, someday your children are going to say, what mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until ye were passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that he might fear the Lord your God forever. So notice that you know, God did not say, I'm going to make sure every generation gets the waters parted for him somewhere. No, you know what he said? Put some stones there as a reminder. That way when your kids ask about him, you can tell them how God brought you through the Red Sea. How God brought you through the Jordan River, how he brought you across dry ground. And they were supposed, all the future generations were supposed to remember what God did for them years and years before. And let me tell you, as, as a member of a New Testament church, I can get up here and I can talk about the miracles that God did for us through the Apostle Paul, through Peter, the things that, that God did through Jesus Christ. He did all these things for us. And you know what? Not every generation needs to see all these things physically just like the previous generations they are you know there was a generation that would see these things but the future generations were supposed to look back on that 
And for some reason, though, we just think that God just has to perpetually continue doing these signs, doing these miracles. And I'm not saying, folks, I'm not going to tell you here that God's done doing miracles. I don't believe God's done doing miracles. I don't believe God's done casting out devils or anything like that. I don't believe that. But this demand for this big visible display of something like we see in the New Testament, we don't necessarily need that. We don't have to have that. I mean, why do you want to cast the devil out so bad? I mean, really, why do you want to do that? Honestly, you know, I kind of hope I never need that ability. I hope if I do need it, I'll be ready. But at the same time, uh, I, I find it interesting how bad people think they need this. And I find it interesting, too, how some people seem to come in contact with it so much. Okay, you know, I, think, I think you're just a little obsessed with this. And so, uh, God is not required to do the same miracles over and over again. And the fact that the things of Mark 16 happen in Acts should be enough where we don't need to be demanding these things today. And so, the Bible has a lot of stories of devils being cast out of people. But there are some things that I want us to, uh, that I, I, we need to understand. And I want to focus on these, on really just one story to help us on this subject of casting out devils. And so, turn over to Mark chapter 9. So, we're going to take a look at a story. And I like this story too because it looks like the story lines up a lot with what we could call Hollywood theology on the subject of uh, someone who's demon-possessed or has a devil. But I want to use this story to illustrate several things that we always need to remember when it comes to the subject of casting out devils. So Mark 9.17 says, And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. Okay? Now, something you've got to get a hold of. Just because devils are often... Or sometimes in the Bible where the cause of physical and mental problems doesn't mean they always are. Can we all get a hold of that? Can we, if, if anybody has a medical problem in our church, can we not, can we just pray for them? You know, if they choose to go to a doctor and take medicine, can we still not wish for the best for them? You know, we don't need, we, we, we might not need to necessarily try to cast the devil out of them. Okay? We might, you know, I mean, I think we should and we do practice praying over people. I think that's a good thing to do. But at the same time, Yes, there are examples of people in the Bible who had a dumb spirit, who had a devil. This story, this young man, he definitely has a devil. I mean, this looks like a lot. Well, you, you, this looks like something you'd see in a horror movie. But again, that doesn't mean if you if you come across some child who's mute, that you know that they've got a devil. I've heard some of these people try to say that autistic people just need the devil cast out of them and stuff like that. I think that's terrible. Okay. Watch out for that kind of thing. And you cannot use the Bible to try to prove that. that that's ridiculous and that's wrong. So verse 18 says, And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. So here we literally have somebody foaming at the mouth. We've got somebody being crazy, gnashing with his teeth, acting like an animal. This looks like something out of a horror movie. Okay? But, and, and notice too, the disciples weren't able to cast them out. So keep this in mind. Even if the disciples of Jesus weren't able to cast this devil out, there are extreme cases that tells me that any of us could probably fail if we faced off with one. So think about that. 
I mean, Jesus' disciples, who were literally, they devoted their life to doing his ministry. They're doing, all, they're doing all kinds of different miracles. I mean, they're healing people. They're doing all kinds of miracles. They're walking with Jesus himself. If they're capable of failing, what do you think is going to happen to you when you've probably had all kinds of junk in your life? You've been watching soap operas on TV, you know, looking at junk on the Internet, you know, just having all kinds of problems with sin. You're not right with God, and you think just because you're saved, you're going to be able to cast out any devil that you face off with? I don't think so. We need to understand when it comes to this kind of thing, there's going to be some cases where we are very likely to fail. We're going to see later, Jesus said, this kind cometh not by prayer and fasting. You've got to prepare yourself for something like this. And so, verse 19. And I, I do find it interesting, too, that the showboats in this area act like they're always successful in casting out devils while they can't even succeed in living a, a, being a decent, godly individual. They can't even succeed in keeping their marriages together. But yet they've got all this power over demons and stuff. I think they're showboating it. I think they're frauds. Verse 19, He answered them and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And so this looks like a lot of the stuff that we see. And understand too, people know how they're supposed to act if they're demon possessed. They've seen enough movies. They've read these stories in the Bible. People know what they're supposed to do. Okay? And it's funny too because people, when they try to cast those devils out, they also know exact. They all look exactly alike too, which is interesting. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But there are going to be many situations and problems where Jesus probably is the only one that can help. Okay? Now that doesn't mean he can't still use us, but some of this, these situations are going to be at great cost to our lives if we're going to succeed. I do believe as Christians, even though we are not Jesus, if we will be sold out to Christ, if we will be like the Apostle Paul, I think we can see great things. But understand, you know what? Paul, he wanted to know him and the power of his resurrection, but also the fellowship of his sufferings. And you know what the Bible also says about the Apostle Paul? Paul wasn't a name it and claim it guy. Paul had his own problem, his own physical infirmity, that three times he tried to get God to take away from him, and God didn't, because God said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so understand, if we really do want to have power over these spiritual things, if we really do want to be able to heal people, cast out devils and all that stuff, just understand, it might come at great cost for you. It will probably come with great suffering but you know what people are looking for a lot of times when it comes to this stuff? Just looking for an easy way out of everything. That's what they're, that's what they're looking for. These people have, they, there's, there's no godliness in their life. There's no suffering for the cause of Christ in their life. These are carnal people many times. Sold out to the things of the flesh. Again, living it up. You know, they have the riches of this world. They've got all these things. And yet, their lives do not resemble what we see with the apostles. Most people talking about these type of things today are profiting greatly from it. I mean, they're, they're making big money off these things. But truly God, godly people that we see who were successful, like the Apostle Paul, they were people who lived a life of suffering. And most of us are not willing to suffer. And the ones talking about casting out devils today definitely aren't suffering. You know, you know, so, Mark 9.21, And he asked his father, How long is it ago? Since this Jesus came unto him, and he said, 
of a child. And it's important too, when it comes to this subject, that we understand there are many areas where the Bible's silent. Okay? It doesn't tell us how these people got possessed with devils. We just know that they had them. You know, is it like in Hollywood where they just randomly just use you as a meat suit or something like that? Or were these people messing around with something? You know, we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. In Mark 16, it references Mary Magdalene, whom Jesus had cast out seven devils. Okay? And that's interesting, too, that there were specifically seven in there. You know, we've got another the story in the Bible about the man who had a legion of devils that were in him. The Bible does not tell us his backstory. We do not know what he was involved with. We don't know how it happened. We just see that we just see that story and how Jesus had power over those things. So we, you know, understand we got to be careful. You know, this is one of these areas too. If you want to look into how people get demon possessed, you're probably going to go out go outside the Bible and you're probably going to start reading a bunch of stuff you're probably better off not knowing about. There's a lot of, you know, when it comes to the demonic we're probably better off not knowing a lot of stuff. I, I wouldn't recommend messing with a lot of these things because there is a lot of deception in there too. Satan himself can be transformed into an angel of light. So, you know, we, we definitely need to be careful. So verse 22, And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And you know, self-harm, I do think that's a big indicator someone has a devil. But, you know, there's, all, there's a lot of things that could potentially cause someone to inflict self-harm, too. For example, we've got a lot of medication we're putting people on today. That that's literally one of the side effects. That's literally one of the side effects that they want uh, to put on you. When, when my wife, when she had her uh, hepatitis treated, they gave her some medication. And that was, they were, or they wanted to give her some medication. And that was like one of the side effects is going to be like suicidal thoughts and things. It's like. What in the world? They, they were wanted, you know, they were wanted to take all this mental stuff, and you know, she did it without that stuff. You know, they don't want to mess with that kind of thing. I've heard stories. I've heard a few different stories of pastors, independent fundamental Baptist pastors, pastors who have killed themselves. And people often think, you know, how, you know, why would a Baptist preacher ever do something like that? But in those stories too, I found out these guys were like on some of these pain meds and stuff, and they just messed them up. I'm not saying. All medication is sinful. I'm saying, you know what? Ask doctors a lot of questions when they try giving you stuff. You know, read the side effects. Because there are, there are some serious side effects of these things. I don't think these people are possessed with the devil. But, you know, you do. You mess around with certain things. You know, you might, you might start crossing a line. And I don't know where the line is, too. I, I don't know when you're getting into sorcery. All I know is I'm, I'm just always careful with medication. And I don't trust... I don't trust drug dealers, whether they got saggy britches and they're blinged out or they're wearing a white coat. I don't, I don't trust any of them. I don't trust the gangbangers out in the streets in Chicago. I don't trust the ones in the Walmart pharmacy. Okay? I'll, I'll go get something if I'm convinced that I need it. And if you are, if, if you trust your doctor and he's convinced you need some medication, by all means take it. But I always ask a lot of questions. I always ask a lot of questions when it comes to that stuff. But... Uh, it, self-harm is not a normal thing. Another thing, too, causing a lot of the self-harm today, too, is you've got so many people that are just being abused, devalued. You've got so much, you know, with this LGBT agenda. Uh, you know, obviously, this is going to really mess people up. You know, when you're encouraging some kid to take hormones, to change his gender and stuff like that, one could only imagine the side effects 
of things like that, of mutilating your body. You know, I just, I don't ever want to find out what the side effects are of that stuff. And thankfully, some of these people are speaking out who have had, gone through these things and are like, we should not be doing this kind of thing. It, it messed them up big time. And so, um, you know, so again, just because self-harm is sometimes caused by demons in the Bible doesn't mean it's always a demon possession thing. And so there's a lot of things that could potentially cause someone to do that. And you know what? We should always have compassion on them. And, you know, and, but we also shouldn't act like they just have a demon and it's not their fault. Again, if you're messing with sin, okay, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're feeling that way because they're just so disgusted with themselves because of the garbage they're involved in. Well, you know, if you're involved in garbage, you should be disgusted with yourself. You know, if you've been viewing a bunch of junk, pornography and junk, and then you find out what's involved in that and all the human trafficking and underage people, I mean, you should feel like garbage and, you know, doing something to yourself after that. But what you should just do is get right and never, ever do that type of thing again. And if you do feel like inflicting self-harm, it's not because you have a demon. It's because you're being a scumbag. And what you need to do is you need to quit being a scumbag. And then you'll maybe start feeling a little better about yourself. So, verse 23, and we should, we can, we should have pity on someone who's possessed with the devil. It's okay. We don't be like, oh, they deserved it. No, Jesus, he showed compassion. He says in verse 23, Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. So something very important we need to point out here and that we may need to consider when it comes to this type of thing is that it is very possible that many of the problems that people have in stories like this, it's possible that some of these stories, there could have been some kind of scientific explanation for what was going on that they had no way of understanding back then. Say, so, well, how can you say this? Well, in Luke chapter 4, verse 38, it says, And he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house, and Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her, and he stood over her and rebuked the fever. And it left her, and immediately she arose and ministered unto him. So, notice how it says he rebuked the fever. So, that's, that's the same thing he did with the devils. So, does that mean anytime somebody's got a fever, you got a devil messing with you? No, that's not what that means at all. He goes on, verse 40, Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with divers diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And devils also came out of many crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. And so, again, we see how Jesus would rebuke devils. He would also rebuke things like fever. But you know what? That's not that strange either because we also see Jesus rebuking things of nature. Remember the storm? He rebuked the wind. He rebuked the sea. Why is he doing that? Because Jesus has control over the things of nature. And so often when you have things like fevers, when you have things like sickness, you know, it is, it's germs. It's some kind of 
you know, things that we can't see. It's these microscopic things that are going on. And so, and they had, they didn't know what those things were called back then. They didn't know how those things worked back then, but understand Jesus did and he had control over them. And so him rebuking those things, you know, that what didn't necessarily mean they were like this spiritual entity, but they were things in nature. And so obviously in this story of this young boy, we do, we've got devils that are inside of him. Uh, but at, at the same time, it doesn't mean that if some scientist today were to look at him, that he might not find some reason that he wasn't able to hear and speak and things like that. I'm not, I'm, so I'm just saying those things, they can typically go together to a certain extent. But it says in, this, in verse 26, And the Spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And I don't know that he actually died here. For all we know, he could have. But what matter if Jesus is there? As soon as he takes him, you know, he could have raised him from the dead. And I doubt that happened because the Bible doesn't say Jesus raised him from the dead. But it does say that he healed him. And you know what? There were. There are some things. And there are some people who doctors can do nothing for them. They do need supernatural healing and jesus has that ability and while i still believe in healing and casting out devils i also understand it isn't a name it and claim it type of thing and that's why in verse 28 it says that when he was coming to the house his disciples asked him privately why could not we cast him out and he said unto them this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting and so not all devils are, are the same he said this kind this, this is a special kind here. And again, we could take that verse and I could, you know, I could write a book called This Kind. And then I could talk about the different levels of demons and things like that. But folks, does the Bible explain that stuff to us? No, it doesn't. We don't know. Obviously, it's a real thing. You know, there's a, and when it comes to a lot of the things um, satanic, you could say, in the Bible, the Bible does not give details, and I think it does that for a reason, because if it did, wicked people would go to the Bible to figure out how to do bad stuff. For example, too, when the Bible talks about them cutting down the groves and stuff that they would have for these idols, you know, what, what, what did those groves look like? You know, what was wrong with them? I mean, what's wrong with a grove? Okay, obviously, there was something about how they had done these things. I don't know, maybe they had the plants, you know, planted in the shape of a pentagram or something like that. You know, I, don't, I don't know. The, thing, the Bible doesn't explain that. And it's a good thing. You know why? Because if the Bible explained that symbol, guess what a bunch of people would go around wearing? They would go around wearing those symbols. And at the end of the day, too, I don't even really think it matters when it comes to that kind of thing. I don't think it matters as far as like, you know, I don't, I don't think any shape has any, uh, like any special power. You know, uh, I think it's really what you associate with it. And so, again, I'm not going to go around wearing a pentagram saying all things are lawful, you know, all things are not expedient. Because obviously there is a lot of evil associated with that today. But at, at the end of the day, too, there could be some things that one time were associated with evil. I mean, you've got people that will tell you, you know, that, that a star is bad or a triangle is bad or whatever. And... Listen, I'm sure that at one time, somebody used those things for evil. 
But is literally anybody even thinking about that today? Does a shape have any kind of power? I, I don't think it does. I think I really think it's all about the significance we get. I think if I made up my own, if I if I made up my own shape that nobody's ever used before, I don't know what that would look like, and I associated it with the devil and all things evil, and I started a cult, and we all went around wearing that symbol. I think eventually, if that caught on, it would be appropriate for preachers to say, you ought to stay away from that symbol. It's satanic and it's evil. Uh, it was just made up by Tommy McMurtry. Yes, but it's what it represents. It's what it's associated with. It's what it promotes that's bad. And so some of that stuff can change over time. So, you know, you can, you can really get too deep into a lot of that stuff. And, you know, I, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to those things. But either way, so not all, but not all devils are the same too in the Bible. And we see too that not all methods are the same. Jesus didn't really have one method for healing people with the miracles that he did. But isn't it interesting today? Everyone who casts out demons, they tend to do it the exact same way. I command thee, come out of her. The power of Christ compels you. You know, they, they all do like the same thing. They use the same voice. What are they? What are they doing? You know, they're imitating something. They saw it. Jesus. He would just go and do things. However, you know, when he healed the blind man the one time, you know, he spit in the mud and put it in his eyes. You know, he he had he he never did one miracle the same way. And even when it came to the casting of devils, it would say he rebuked them. You know, talk about laying hands on them. Uh, we even see in Acts 19. Turn over to Acts 19, because you know, at the end of the day, casting out devils. It's not about what you know, but it's about who you know and really who knows you That's when it comes to casting out devils. And notice what it says in Acts 19.11. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. So notice what God was doing here with Paul. It was special and unique. Okay? So these are special miracles. So I'm not going to go to Acts 19 and then it's like, all right, now let's go imitate everything we saw here. No, God was doing something special and unique here with Paul. It's never about the method, ladies and gentlemen. It's never about the method. And I wish, I wish the IFB would get a hold of that, that, you know, throughout church history, God has moved in many different ways. But what do people do whenever they do see a movement of God? They associate it with everything they did, with the songs they sang, the sawdust that they used, you know, the invitation method, whatever. And then they try to like recreate all that stuff and then conjure up these moves of God. It's not how it works. God did, God does things in a lot of different ways. Verse 12, notice it says, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons and the diseases departed from them and evil spirits went out of them. So, I mean, just from them bringing things to Paul and touching his body. People are getting devils cast out of them. What, you know, what's going on here? I tell you, God's doing a great work here through a great man, through the Apostle Paul. This was a work of God, of course, but God was using a great man, the Apostle Paul. And then notice in verse 13, then you have the Kenneth Copelands, the Greg Locks, and all those people that come along. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, you got these weirdo outlier fruit loops that nobody wants to claim in any religion, you know, the exorcists took upon them to call over them, which had evil spirits, in the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, 
We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. So what are these guys doing? They're not, they're not getting anything special from God. They're trying to imitate what they saw Paul do. Hey, you know, we saw Paul do it this way one time. Let's go, let's go copy off that. You know, and it's like a lot, that's what a lot of these preachers are doing today. Hey, this is what they did on the exorcist. You know, let's go do this. You know, but, you know, let's, let's, we'll do a Baptist version or something. You know, they're always just copying off of each other. But again, it's not about a method. This is something that God is doing, that God does through people. And God, He, he never does it really the same way twice. Because it's not about a method. But yet, everyone looks exactly alike when they do these things. Why? Because they are. They're just vagabond exorcists like these sons of Sceva. They have no idea what they're doing. They're trying to put on a show. They're trying to get gain. And the truth is, they're frauds. And it says, um, and there were, set, there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus and fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. So notice this one guy takes on seven of them. Wounds and sends seven guys running out naked. And again, this demonic stuff, it's real. These people, they often have great strength, like that legion that we see in the Bible. They couldn't even bind him with chains. This guy had a strength that was uh, supernatural, that was scary. It's a real thing. But notice how whenever these vagabonds came along and actually faced off with someone who was possessed with devils, they got shamed. They got beat up. But you know, whenever you had guys like Paul doing his thing, notice what it says. It says, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. But yet, when we think about casting out demons today, who do we think of? People aren't thinking about Jesus. Jesus' name isn't getting magnified. It's not more people talking about Jesus. Everybody's talking about the person. Everybody's talking about the person. Why weren't more people talking about Paul? That's pretty cool that, that he's doing all these things. Because Paul was all about a message, and he was obviously getting that message out successfully. And the truth is, too, we see evidences of this in the Bible. There was nothing special about Paul, you know, physically speaking. There was nothing. There was nothing, you know, that was you know special, unique, admirable about him in any, in any earthly way. But he had the power of God on his life. And when people would see Paul do great things, all it did is made him think, "Wow, God must really be great." But what do we have today? We've got these showboats out there. You know, you do, you have these talented, you have these charismatic people out there that are really good at putting on shows that are real entertaining, that are real good at getting followings and people to like them and all that kind of stuff. And their names are being magnified. Their names are being lifted up. Everyone's talking about them. But when the real thing takes place, understand Jesus' name gets magnified. And so when it comes to casting out devils, it's not about what you know because it's not about a method. It's about who you know. And let me tell you, Paul knew Jesus. Paul knew the fellowship of his sufferings. And because of that, Paul was able to do great things. And so if you do, if you know Jesus real well, if you're real close to him, I think when the time comes, if you need this, I think you'll have the ability. And so if the need ever arises where I need to cast out a devil, I hope I have the faith 
And I hope that the Lord will use me just like if I ever need the, if I ever need healing, I hope God will do it. I hope God will grant my request. But if I fail, it won't be God's fault. He's already proven himself. God, you know, in the Bible, it focuses mainly on a lot of the positive stories. But you know what? Even the Apostle Paul, three times he prayed that the Lord would uh, remove that thorn. I believe in Acts it references a, a time too when he tried to heal somebody. I, 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 might, I might be wrong on that. But um, in these stories in the Bible, here's what we've got to understand too. All those miracles that they did, these, these were special situations where God's trying to get the gospel to a new group of people and so God did something according to his will through his apostles. What we are seeing today is men coming along, trying to do things according to their own will for their own advancement. And that's all there is to it for their own profit. And so understand God might not need me casting out devils right now. I might want to. And is it, is it wrong? I mean, folks, yeah, I would like to just be able to lay hands on people and heal them. But God has not seen fit to just give me that power. And I don't think he has to. He already did it back then. And God would do these things to prove he could do the spiritual things. And folks, we already know that. And if people just don't want to believe the Bible, why should God give them some special physical healing? It, it doesn't even really make sense. And so, just one final thing I want to give you. Turn over to Luke chapter 10. I do think, again, every saved person has the ability potentially to succeed or fail when it comes to casting out devils. But understand, if somebody does cast out a devil, okay, or if they think, if they think that they did, I do think, if it, I think it's a red flag if you have to go around promoting yourself and telling your story as a result of it. Because um, in, in Luke 10, 17, okay, think, think about this, because... We're always looking for consistency, right? Don't we all hate hypocrisy? Everybody hates hypocrisy. Okay, now, nobody in this church has come to me telling me they ever cast a demon out. Pastor Tommy, there was one time my child was misbehaving. And I know it wasn't because I fed him a bunch of sugar that night and let him play video games all day. But they were behaving bad. But they were just out of control. And I was convinced they had a devil in them. We, we cast it out of them and all of a sudden they behaved after that. Okay. Nobody's told me a story like that, so I'm not, I'm not sniping anybody in here. But when it comes to people, and I, I have, I, I, I could tell some stories that I've heard of people who thought they cast out devils, and um, I, I definitely have some stories I could tell, not from people in our church. But I usually scoff at those stories. In all the stories I've heard when people told me they were convinced they cast out a devil or something like that, I don't have time to start telling some stories, I, but... Um, I've, I've got, I'm related to some weird Pentecostal people that have told some pretty good stories. Um, but uh, you can find some fantastic stories from the Pentecostals on this stuff. I'm not going to take time to share those right now. But again, I scoff at those things because we're all looking for consistency. We don't like hypocrisy. And in Luke 10, 17, it says, And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you, notwithstanding in this. Rejoice not, 
that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And you know, it's a carnal thing to be more excited about casting out spirits than you are about being saved. You know what? I don't want to hear about you casting out a devil when I never hear you talk about being saved. I never hear you talk about giving the gospel. And a lot of these people out there that can cast out devils, you'll never see them out soul winning. You know what? You know, I might, maybe I'll believe that you cast a devil out of somebody when I see that you can even just get somebody in church where you can get somebody saved. You can't even lead a person to Christ out knocking doors and yet you're going to tell me that you can cast out devils. Did you know it's so much better being saved than it is to be able to have power over devils? But yet, what are people obsessed with today? Not the gospel, not advancing Jesus Christ. No, casting out devils. That's, that's the big thing everybody's talking about now. That everybody's all hyped up about now. Casting out devils. Why not the gospel? Why not? That, that should be so much more exciting. We should be way more thrilled if somebody comes to a church service and gets saved than if somebody gets a devil cast out of them. But you know what? People can come to church every week and they'll be, you know, you'll have churches getting people saved all the time and then supposedly they cast out a devil and that preacher, he's going to go on a preaching tour telling everybody the story about when they cast the devil out of somebody. You know what? I just think that's carnality. You know, I, that's, what, that's what I think. And so, you know, the truth is, if you, if you want to come to me and tell me a story about you casting the devil out of your little niece or nephew or one of your kids or something like that, you better have told me a bunch of stories about getting people saved first. You know, about, you better be somebody who's actually succeeded in living godly, being a decent person first. And then maybe we can tell one of those side stories about once when you cast a devil out of somebody. It's so much better. We should be way more excited about going out, our ability to tell people about Jesus. And when you can't twist people's arms and you can't even, you, you can't even force them to go give somebody the gospel, but they'll talk about their demon casting out abilities. I don't believe them. I, I think, I think we're, we've got some messed up priorities there. And so hopefully this will help you with some of this. So with that, let's pray to your Lord. I pray this message was helped everyone. Lord, we do thank you for our salvation. Lord, help us never to be more excited about some of these other things than we are about salvation. Lord, help us never be more focused on casting a devil out of somebody than we are about uh, introducing somebody to you. Help us to be balanced in these areas. Help us to uh, learn from the examples and the miracles that you've uh, preserved for us in your word. Help us not to go looking for a sideshow out there and following a bunch of people just putting on sideshows for... Uh, carnal gain. In your name we pray. Amen.